Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to the latest Eddie Trunk Podcast coming your way every Thursday, totally free, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode bringing you newsmaking interviews with some of the biggest names in rock and metal. And as I tell you each and every week, every interview you hear on this podcast happened live on my radio show, Trunk Nation, which is heard Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Faction Talk. That's Sirius XM Channel 103. If you're a Sirius XM subscriber, you can also listen to the show anytime you want on demand. There's audio, video, all sorts of great content up there. Here on the podcast, I give you a tiny taste of what I do five days a week live on the radio on Sirius XM. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, please join me and become a subscriber. And uh, if you're outside of the U.S. or Canada where you can't subscribe to Sirius XM, this podcast another great way to give you a little taste of some of the interviews and some of the stuff I do on the radio on a daily basis. We have two interviews for you this week. Coming up a little bit later on, Jeff Keith of Tesla, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite bands. Jeff called in on what was his birthday a couple weeks ago to the radio show. And uh, we'll get into that in a second. But first up, Luke Spiller, lead singer of The Struts. For the last five years or so, I have been singing the praises of The Struts and of Luke because I believe he's one of the great hopes that we have for a true rock star in today's music world. Uh, he walks it, he talks it, he looks it, <laughs> wears capes, you know? So, uh, Luke, I'm a big fan of the band, you know, and I love what they do. And uh, he's been a friend now for a little bit. And I reached out to him to come on the air because there's been a lot going on with the Struts. New record deal, new single. Luke recently played at the Taylor Hawkins tribute show in England fronting Queen. And when you hear the interview, you'll realize maybe more of that is coming. And also was supposed to front a band with Nikki Six and Tommy Lee at the Taylor Tribute in L.A., but as you're about to hear, he got COVID and couldn't do it. He's also about to do a performance with David Bowie's piano player in L.A. A lot going on with Luke. Uh, been a while since we caught up. Here's how that conversation went on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Luke. Hello, Eddie. 
How are you, my friend? How have you been? How are you feeling? I, oh, I'm doing great. Um, I'm actually currently in the, the studio at the moment, um, working on album number four. So life is great. You know, I ask why you're, how you're feeling because we were going to have you on uh, and you had to cancel because you were about to go into rehearsals for the second Taylor Hawkins tribute. And then turns out you ended up getting COVID, right? Yeah, it was a really big, big stroke of like extremely bad luck. I, I, I basically had four shows um, just before the, uh, the the rehearsal. Um, and yeah, Kelsa Priest, I must have picked it up on one of um, the Struts four gigs that we were playing. And I, I was devastated. I was devastated I couldn't be there and... and um, you know, I was devastated that I couldn't, uh, you know, partake in the show. But I, I had a lot of lovely messages and calls from people, um, you know, wishing me well and hoping that I would make a speedy recovery. But at the end of the day, I was just happy and lucky enough to be involved with Wem with the Wembley show, you know. Well, I want to talk about that in, in a second. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you uh, about what you were going to for the L.A. Taylor tribute. You were going to perform with Nikki Six and Tommy Lee and do Motley Crue songs, right? Yeah, I, I was. I was. Um, and yeah, I was going to do Livewire and uh, Home Sweet Home, which I was really bummed about. Um you know, I was sort of dying to sort of like get a little bit more involved uh, in the performance as a whole. But yeah, and the worst thing was I was actually um, the the Foo Fighters kind of headquarters uh, leading up to the show before I broke away to do um, these struts gigs. And Tommy was there. Nikki uh, couldn't make it, but it was great to sort of like hang with Tommy and. Um, and we were playing these songs and they sounded really, really good. But, you know, it just, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't meant to be, you know? Well, I was going to ask you, how far along did you get you? So you did run through them in a rehearsal. And then when did, how far before the actual event did you get hit with COVID? Uh, I must have, I, I must have got it probably about five, five days or so. Um, before the actual show date and um, yeah I, I was flying we were doing a lot of flying and, and everything like to and from these different cities we didn't have like a bus or anything so I must have I must have just got it at the airport or on the plane but the, the most frustrating thing was was that like I, I felt absolutely fine um, and that's that's kind of the the worst thing ever you know what I mean well, how did you know you had it then if you felt fine? Did you have to go through some sort of routine testing? Yeah, so uh, two days before the actual um, sound check, uh, we, I, I had a message saying, hey, you know, uh, we're all going to be doing um, PCR tests. So I was like, yeah, fine, no problem. Obviously, I was um, in transit, like, constantly. So I had to do it the day of... Uh, the sound check the day before the actual show itself and which was actually my birthday um <laughs> so you know 
sort of midday, I uh, quickly get like a rapid PCR test that gives you the results about 40 minutes later. And I'm, I'm waiting in my, um, at my place. And I know that there's a car coming to collect me to take me down to the, uh, to the show, to the rehearsals. And my manager calls me up and he's like, Luke, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've, you've come back positive. And I was like, serious? <laughs> so then I ordered like a bunch of um, the home test kits uh, via like Postmates and yeah, just one after the next. I think I did three in a row and they all came back positive. So I was just like, oh, you know, just just devastated. Had you had it before, Luke? Did you ever have it before that you're aware of? Yeah, this is like my second time. And every time I've got COVID, it's always been a really, really frustrating time. I mean, obviously, it's frustrating to get it anyway. But the first time I got it was actually on the way to get my third uh, jab, the booster jab. I, 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 I used the bathroom at like the, um, they, they converted like a gymnasium in the UK to where they were giving everyone the booster jab. And then I came home and, and I thought, oh, you know, the side effect from the booster, I thought, okay, that's pretty bad. But it didn't leave for two or three days after. And, and um, yeah, I got, I got COVID while getting my booster. And then second time round, I get it on my birthday before one of the most important shows I've ever played. So, um, yeah, uh, things can only get better from here, I guess, you know? <laughs> well, you've had it a couple of times. you got to be in the clear now for a while, I would think. I would hope that would be the case. So I want to I wanna go to the show that you did play for the Taylor Hawkins tribute. And, of course, I know you had a, a – and you still do have a close uh, connection with the Foo Fighters camp. The Struts open many shows for the Foos and – uh, the, the loss of Taylor, we're all still feeling that. Just a wonderful person, a musician, friend to all of us, of course, and uh, just just still tragic to to think that he's gone. But you you had an amazing moment there at Wembley, in your home country, singing with one of your all time hero bands and performing with Queen um, at that show at Wembley, which of course everybody saw the the streaming telecast of it. Take me through that experience for you, knowing you and knowing what a Queen fan you are and how that all came together and what it was like performing with Roger and Brian up there. Well, yeah, I mean, just to sort of like rewind a little bit, um, the, the last time uh, I, I was with Taylor was uh, earlier on in the year and um, I was at his place uh, with the rest of like the <clears throat> the Chevy Metal gang, and we were planning to sort of go out uh, when Taylor wasn't busy with the Foos and I wasn't doing things with the Struts, and we were going to go out and just basically kind of like do a lot more uh, shows together, and a lot of the set would have been, you know, a lot of Queen for for obvious reasons, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and then of course, like I got the the news, and you know, was absolutely like devastated, and you know, and fast forward a couple of weeks or like a month or so, um, I was in Italy, and I get a call from from Pat Smear, and 
he just kind of in short just said, hey, we're, we're going to be putting on this big tribute show. We, we'd love for you to be a part of it. I know that um, you and Taylor were planning on taking like a bunch of uh, Queen covers out on the road. How would you like to play some Queen songs uh, at Wembley Stadium? And I was like, yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, I'll I'll drop everything to, to be there. And he said, you know what? Like Brian and Roger, like also like live close by. There's a big chance that you might be able to actually perform some Queen with them. And I was like, I mean. I said, Pat, like, whatever you want me to do, if you want me to sing one verse or one line, like, I don't care. Like, I just, I'd love to be involved in any any way I can. And, um, yeah, and then fast forward, um, I'm sort of rehearsing a couple of Queen tracks, like, with the Foos themselves, and it's sounding amazing. And then, of course, we all flew to London um, and stayed at this incredible hotel for like, you know, for about a week or so leading up to the the Wembley show. And that was just like incredible. Like all of the Americans who were playing the the show itself were, were all staying at the same hotel. And it was kind of like a giant rock and roll cruise, if that makes any sense. Because we were all hanging out. We were all having dinners. We were all partying with each other. And we all sort of really bonded and, and shared some like amazing stories. And the, uh, the a couple of days before the show itself, uh, I was set to, to go to Olympic Studios in London to rehearse with the Foo Fighters and Brian and Roger. And I, I didn't think I was going to get nervous. You know, I, nothing really gets me um in terms of like performance and whatnot but as soon as i entered the room and i saw like roger behind the kit with the queen logo and brian's there like with the red special and of course like the foods are all there um justin hawkins was also there and you know he's a big hero of mine as well and i was just like oh man this is real and uh yeah, my, my, my right hand, like, trembled a bit. I was holding the microphone, and I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to see, so I was kind of folding my arms uh, in between uh, going through the songs itself. And then the show at Wembley was just... It, it, was, it was incredible. You know, I think... I don't think I will ever experience anything like that ever again and to be honest i don't for obvious reasons would never want to but the sheer amount of waves of emotions from tears to joy um everything in between it was just such an incredible incredible day to be part of and the the queen section was right before uh the foo fighters set which was about 14 or 15 songs i believe so I had to wait for the whole entire day till about half past eight at night. And again, I was like, oh, I'm not really nervous, you know, like two o'clock in the afternoon. And then the sun started to go down. And then it really kind of hit me that I was like, gosh, I'm looking at everyone involved in this. And I'm like, these are all legitimate uh, rock stars who have had, you know, careers that spanned over decades 
and you know the the the, the clientele and in terms of like the rock royalty kind of really hit me and i kind of thought like you know what am i doing here you know <laughs> um and then so there was a slight bit of imposter syndrome and I think at that moment I, I hit my manager up and I said I, I need a couple of tequilas. So by the time by the time I actually got on the stage uh, and and was doing the walk from backstage to to the actual stage itself with Brian and Roger, I was I was pretty lubed up to say the least. But it was just such an incredible experience, and I'm never going to forget it. What what um you know I. Early on, when you and I first got to know each other, and I had you on on the sh- on my shows, you, we talked about Queen. And at that point, I had asked you if you had ever met Roger or or uh, Brian, and you had told me a story I remember about like you randomly like ran into Brian or something at one point. So was this the only? Was this like the first real experience you had with them? And you know, in terms of getting to know them and did you get to know them and they say anything to you after you performed with them? Have you been in touch with them since? Yeah, I've actually, it's funny that you should bring up the, um, the first encounter I have with Brian because I did bring it up and I, and I had the photo, I found it. And, um, remind people what that was, Luke, because I real briefly, like you ran, didn't you tell me you ran into him at somewhere like a store or something? I can't recall myself. Yeah. So it was way back. Probably it was when me and Adam, the guitar player from the struts were really first working with each other. And I was probably about 21 at the time. So it was quite a few years ago. And, uh, the manager that we had, uh, used to stay in Kensington at this hotel called the Royal Garden Hotel. And it's just off Kensington High Street. So you have all of these shops and whatnot. Anyway, so myself and Ad uh, are walking um, to get the tube to the local train station to sort of like go to our separate homes. And like we're walking just outside the hotel. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Brian May. And... um so we went up to him. I was like, I, I have to say something. And um, I said, hi, Brian. Um, my name is Luke. Um, I literally just wanted to tell you, like, how much your music means to me. And, you know, I, I've, you, you've literally changed my life, et cetera, et cetera. And he was really gracious and really lovely. And I, di- I did say to him, I was like, is there any chance I could get a picture? And this was, <laughs> I think I had some sort of flip Samsung phone with like this terrible camera on it because it was kind of just when Apple and uh, iPhones were kind of becoming popular. That's how long ago it was. And uh, at first he was like, I mean, I'm here with my daughter. Um, so, you know, would you mind if we didn't? I said, yeah, of course. It's fine. Don't worry. It was just a pleasure to meet you. And then he started um, asking me like, well, you know, what do you guys do? And I said, oh, we're in a band called The Struts and uh, we were just here uh, having some label meetings. And he turns and he says, you know what? You seem pretty special. Like, let's do the picture. <laughs> so we did. And um, and I've actually been in touch with him uh, for sort of separate reasons from the, the Taylor shows for uh, about for about half a year now. Um, and yeah, we, we sort of call each other every now and then and sort of, you know, 
catch up and whatnot. And, he, you know, he called me on my birthday, which was really sweet of him, uh, in the morning, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to attend, etc. Um, but, yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. And, of course, like, I, I, I'm not that close with, with Roger. I, I'd only met him <clears throat> during rehearsals and, obviously, the day of the show. But he was super sweet. And I remember running backstage after we performed and um he was like you were you were amazing like you absolutely killed it and i was just like oh, thank you so much it's just, it's just incredible to sort of get any feedback um from you know your idols so it was incredible experience yeah i mean you did a phenomenal job and and the last thing on that was what was the the, the song decision, obviously, I think it was Justin Hawkins came out and sang some and, uh, part of that set as well. But you opened it doing We Will Rock You, the, the sped up version, uh, a slightly different arrangement of that song. But who made that decision that you were going to do that part of the Queen set? Uh, I think it was it, it was kind of out of my hands. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was between Dave and Pat. Brian and Roger, they, they were sort of like the the main uh, visionaries of what exactly was going to happen. And of course, like, you know, it was it was forever changing <laughs> constantly, pretty much until about two or three days before the Wembley show. Um, but I was I was so happy to, to have been picked to, to do that particular version of We Are Rock You because I've always adored it. And and I, and I used to play it with Taylor as well. So it was. It was really cool, really cool to be a part of. And there's a version of you doing We Will Rock You. People can see this on the Struts website of you just at a piano singing it, a completely different take on the song, and that's that's brilliant as well. So two, you have two di completely different takes on a classic and the way you did it at Wembley and then, of course, the way you recorded it, just you at a piano. Yeah. We, actually, there's three versions. We... um. We, we recorded a version for a commercial like years and years ago um, and nothing came of it. It was kind of like a, it was a mixture between the original and kind of like the piano version. Uh, it kind of starts off with piano and then goes into like the full uh, stomping We Will Rock You as opposed to sort of like the double time fast version. But yeah, it's funny. It's funny how sometimes like songs... Um, you know, come to you and, and, and you end up, <laughs> you know, doing them a whole bunch of times. But yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to be associated, you know, in some tiny way with one of the greatest songs of all time. Luke, has there been any, you said you've had some dialogue with Brian since. I mean, have you guys entertained the idea of maybe working together again in some capacity? Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I would I would love to spill the beans, uh, but you know, spill it by name, not quite by nature at this point. Um, but I can confirm that yes, we we have had many a creative uh, uh, conversation. So watch this space. Ah, that is awesome. That I mean, you would be a no-brainer to do that. So that would be phenomenal. And that uh, that's awesome to hear. A couple other things I want to ask you about, and then I'll let you go. I know you're you're in the studio there with the guys. Um, you're doing well. First of all, as far as the struts are concerned, so you put out a single and a video for a new song called "Fallen with Me," 
is that a is that a prelude to the record you're working on? Where are you at as far as a new album is concerned? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's fooling with me in in many ways. Is is kind of um, has become like a bit of a reference and a nucleus for like this fourth record and. A lot of people have been asking me, you know, what are we kind of going for? And the truth is, um, we've, you know, we've done three records now. And during lockdown, I was kind of like listening a lot of what we'd done. And it's no secret that we're kind of known for sort of these huge, big, anthemic um, songs, you know, that are always kind of a little bit Queen-esque and a little bit kind of stones kind of like mixed together so we've made like a conscious decision to to try something really different not not completely left of center of what we're known for um by any means but it's definitely a bit of a new direction and and to be honest you know when you get to album number four it kind of feels like you need to do that anyway i i know we do as a band because we've lived with some of these songs for, you know, a, a decade now. And um, I think that it's time that we try and master in some way, like uh, a different area of music. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've been working really, really hard throughout the year on and off. You know, we've obviously had to go out and hit the road and um, do a couple of like short tours. But now we're sort of, in real recording mode for the next couple of months and it's coming together and it's 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 pretty good it's 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 really cheeky uh like i said it's different um but on the whole it's still completely the struts you know well i mean you guys i've talked about this with you before you guys walk a lot of lines i mean there's a lot of different things musically that goes on with the band at the end of the day, I agree with you. It all sounds like the struts, but you, you go everywhere, but from, you know, pop stuff to very grand sounding stuff to, uh, to hard rock and stuff. I mean, the last album, uh, strange days, one of my favorites. And I know you went in that did that very quickly. And there's some great, you know, very rock and stuff on there. And you, you know, you and I have uh, talked off the air. We, we, I remember we had a conversation, we we're hanging out at the rainbow or something. And you were saying what a big fan of Jim Steinman you were, and how you wish that one day you could have worked with Jim Steinman. Unfortunately, he's passed away, so that's never going to happen. But you like that approach, too. So when you talk about all these different influences that is on the Struts music, and you talk about going into maybe a different direction with the next record, where would you say it lands? You know, where would you say, you're, what would you say when you say you're going for something different? Where, where would, what, what are you reaching for? What are you trying to do? Uh, I'd say it's the, the way I describe it is, you know, I'm not a huge, huge talking heads um, like nerd or anything, but it has like a real English, like indie uh, quirk to everything that we're doing, you know, and so it's kind of like talking heads like on steroids in, in some places, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But lyrically, it's really it's really sort of based on my experience of when, when we actually officially moved to LA in 2019 and just doing kind of like most uh, foreigners do when, when we come to LA for the first time, it's like 
we get drawn in by the lights and then all of a sudden we're, we're found sort of uh, in some of the darkest places in LA. And it's a, it's a record which is talking a lot about experiencing the trappings of, of LA and, and coming here for the very first time and, and everything that entails. So there's, there's like a, a slight dark mood to it, but it's still fun and it's still um, very much like party uh, rock, if that makes any sense, you know? And you guys have a new record deal, right? Did you sign with the new label? Yeah, we did. We did, which is why it's been a bit of a minute since we've been able to kind of actually get to work because we um, we left Interscope uh, earlier this year, which, you know, which was brilliant. You know, we I, I think everyone between the label and the band and everyone around me is, is really happy and proud of what we achieved. But we just felt it was time to move on and we've definitely landed on our feet signing with um, Big Machine and um, Scott Bichetta, who obviously uh, runs the label, is, is absolutely incredible. And the whole team is amazing. And they've really also got completely behind our vision as well, which has been really refreshing. We, you know, we've turned around to them and said, look, this is kind of like where our heads are at. And this is like what we want to do. We know that we're known for X, Y and Z, but we want to go here. And they're like, brilliant, just let us hear stuff when, when we can. And um, it's been great. It's been really, really great. So what are we looking at next year for the album, I imagine? Early next year, mid next year? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to get it all done by the end of the year. And then we're going to be putting it out first quarter of next year. That's the goal. And, I'm, and I think I was just listening to a lot of the demos that we've got at the moment because we're still like in the demo phase. We're not really tracking at the moment. We're just solely writing, but the things that we've got already are just really great. And I, I think it's going to be an amazing record. Well, there were some songs you sent me before you decided to go in and do Strange Days. And I don't know if people realize this about the last record, but you guys went in and did that in a really unique way where you wrote and recorded everything very quickly and very live in the studio. But prior to that, I had some songs that you had sent me that were going to be what was going to be the next record if you didn't do Strange Days. So is any of that still being knocked around or you've moved on completely from that? Yeah, yeah, we, we have. Um, you know, funny enough, there's quite a few songs that are going to be on this record, which we had made um, pre-pandemic. And then, like you said, I, I, when we were doing Strange Days, there was there was talks of, you know, do we bring some of that stuff in? Um, but with that record, we we felt like it needed to be a moment in time. And uh, that's why we decided not to include anything that we had written um, in 2019. But yeah, there's definitely a couple of things that will make its way onto the record for sure. And who's producing this record? Are you guys doing it yourself or you have a producer involved? What's the team? It's kind of, um, it's, it's mainly between John Levine who did strange days. And then we're, we've been working recently with a fantastic guy called Jason D'Azuzio, who it was quite a, an odd pairing <laughs> for us. But since working with Jason, it's, it's just sort of really propelled us into a completely different realm, but it feels really good and it feels really, really fresh. 
So it's kind of between the two of them, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And lastly, you're going to be doing something in L.A., which I saw just an extra night got added, where you're going to be doing Bowie songs with his keyboard player, piano player. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I noticed that Mike Garson, um, that's his name, uh, was doing these evenings with uh, like a few months back um, via kind of Instagram at the Sunrose um, on Sunset, which is a, a fantastic speakeasy-esque uh, intimate uh, venue. And I just said to him, I was like, look, how do I get involved? And then I ended up uh, going to a show where Mason Alexandra Park was, was doing a, uh, like a set of his own. And they invited me up to do Under Pressure. And then pretty soon after that, we were like, let's do our own ones. And yeah, both of the uh, shows sold out um, <laughs> the day we put them up separately. So I, I can confirm that we will be announcing another two shows, which are going to be happening in early December. And um, it's a really hot ticket. So once we properly announce it, uh, I would encourage everyone to, to buy as quickly as they can because, yeah, we, we, we've been selling them out in a matter of like 30 to 40 minutes every time we put them up for sale. So it's going to be really great. Um, I'm going to be doing, obviously, you know, a bunch of Bowie covers, but then I'm also um, going to be playing and singing uh, some songs by people that have really inspired me <clears throat> throughout my musical journey and as well as a couple of tracks that I've written and nobody's ever heard and I will be debuting them um, at these shows which I'm really looking forward to. So the dates with Mike Garson and you doing Bowie are the two in November now are sold out. That's November 5th and November 12th. And you're going to be adding a couple then in December that'll be announced soon. Yeah, we're going to be announcing it um, hopefully in the next week or so, which will be really fun. And there's more information about that at MikeGarson.com. And I, I hope to make one of those. And uh, you're nice enough to invite me, which I appreciate. I definitely would love to catch one. It sounds, it sounds fantastic. And what a cool setting to see that music played like that. And with you guys doing it, that'll be great. Yeah, and it's just one of the big things that really drew me to it was like, I'm, you know, I'm probably, I'm obviously known for being the front man of like a rock and roll band and having like this this group behind me making a lot of noise. And I think it's going to be really great. Um, and I'm so excited to sort of be in a space where it's an intimate audience and then having like one of the, greatest piano players that i've ever uh been blessed with having the chance to to work with like behind me and it's just going to showcase like my voice and performance style in a completely different way um so it's going to be a real great experience hey last thing that just hit me before i let you go do you bowl i do i lawn bowl english lawn bowls what does that mean it's uh, it's a sport um, which was <laughs> which was uh, invented in the in the UK and it's quite popular in Australia as well and and a bit in Japan but it's it's primarily um, <laughs> a sport that uh, a lot of you know uh, uh, people who are retired uh, normally play but I, I took it up when 
I was in the UK uh, during lockdown. And um, of course, you know, I don't work a nine to five. So I was free to, to play about four or five times a week with my uh, local bowls team in Dawlish in Devon. And um, it's really good fun. They actually have a couple of bowling greens here in LA, one in Holmby Park in Beverly Hills. And I think there's one in Glendale somewhere. Um, but I've been so busy, I haven't been able to, to get the kit on and uh, get the woods out and start bowling again. But, but yeah, is, it, is, it like, is it like bowling in a lane, but you're doing it on the lawn? Yeah, you have basically you have a little white ball called the jack, which you which you uh, bowl out and it's set, and then you have these bowls or woods as they're called in the sport, and um, depending on which which side you throw the well, you you bowl them with as they slow down, they sort of curve either left or right depending on uh, which side of the the wood that you use, and and the aim of the game is to get as many as the woods your own woods as close to the jack as possible. So but it sounds like bocce. With, it sounds is it like the Italian game, bocce. It sounds like the same thing if you've ever played that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's similar to that, but isn't, I think that's played on sand if, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not pretty mistaken. much. Yeah. Yeah. But this is on a, on a green, which has really short grass, almost like a putting green kind of mm. uh, field. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just really, really fun. <laughs> The reason I'm asking you this is because I'm looking at these dates and and, and you're doing the, the second one is the 12th that you're doing in L.A. And, uh, you know, every year I, ho I uh, host and participate in a bowling, traditional bowling on the lane, throwing a ball at the pins. But I do a, a bowling event and all the money raises. Uh, we raise money for the Dio Cancer Fund in the name of Ronnie James Dio and money for the cancer fund that was started in his name to help those with cancer. It's a big event. We do it in Studio City. We haven't done it the last couple of years because of COVID, but in the past, my bowling team has had Dave Grohl's bowled with me, our, our friend Brent Woods. All these guys have bowled. Geezer Butler has bowled with me. So I'm going to start putting my team together, and, and it doesn't matter if you're good at bowling or not. That's not the point. But if you're in town, I want to try to enlist you for my team. I'm in. I'm in, mate. <laughs> and at best, it's it's a lot of you're going to know a ton of people there. We have a great time, so I'm going to put you. I'm going to. I'll text you about about it with more details. But I'm going to pencil you in for a slot on my team, and we're going to initiate you into our bowling league. Fantastic! I'll, I'll bring my uh, my uh, Gucci bowling glove with me as well. <laughs> and there's plenty of uh, plenty of beverages, so you don't have to worry about how good you bowl. It's more about the fun and and the cause. Brilliant. I mean, if I can get that in writing so there's no team squabbling, you know, when I when I play terribly, that would be fantastic. <laughs> well, there have been protests filed in the past because of people making accusations of cheating or somebody having an extra person on their team. But it's all in good fun and it's all to raise money for a great cause. So I'll send you more information and I'll hold you a spot on the team. We'll have some fun. Yeah. What, what date is that exactly? 17th of November. And what I'm thinking is if I could get out early... Maybe I could make your show on the 12th and then just hang out. And I, I've got a home in Vegas now, so I'm close. I can get in and out pretty quickly. So maybe we can, we'll sort something out where I can catch your show and then we can do the bowling a few nights later. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Absolutely.
All right, man. Well, listen, I'll let you get back to making music. Send my best to the rest of the guys. It's good to catch up with you. Keep us posted on how the record's going, and uh, I'll see you and talk to you soon. All right, mate. Thanks for having me, and amazing to talk as usual. Anytime, man. Talk to you soon, Luke. Reach you in a bit. Bye. Well, always good to visit with Luke. He's got a lot going on. Looking forward to new Struts music coming soon as well. That should be great. And we'll keep an eye and keep tabs on everything he's got cooking. He's also going to be on my bowling team, by the way, which is coming up November 17th for the Dio Cancer Fund at Pins in Studio City. As you heard, I did recruit him, and he is on the team, and so is Tom Morello. So we're starting to put together a killer all-star team. I'm going to be auctioning off a spot to bowl on that team. Keep an eye on my social media, at Eddie Trunk, for info on that. You might be able to join us. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Got another interview for you this week on the podcast. This was kind of spontaneous and happened the same day as the interview you just heard with Luke Spiller. Jeff Keith, lead singer of Tesla, a good buddy, as the whole band are, and I'm a huge fan of the band. It was Jeff's birthday. I texted him a happy birthday message. We went back and forth on text. I said, hey, you want to call in and say hi to the fans? We'd love to have you. And here's how that conversation went. Like a fine wine, he gets better with age. It is his birthday today. I'm not going to sing to him because I can't sing. He can sing to himself because he's got a great voice. I would never do that to him and torture him on his birthday. But a big happy birthday to one of my favorite people from one of my favorite bands, lead singer of Tesla, J.K. Jeff Keith. Happy birthday, man. Thank you very much, my dear friend, Eddie Trunk. How are you feeling today? How you are you 64 today? 64 years young. How the hell did that happen, Jeff? Well, time flies. So do birthdays. It felt like just yesterday I saw you on MTV singing Modern Day Cowboy on the Countdown show. This young, wiry guy singing this song, and you're 64. That's crazy. How do you feel, man? Uh, I feel great, man. I feel great and uh, uh, appreciate all the birthday wishes and uh, just feeling great, man. Just going to get get to spend a little family time uh, with a nice birthday dinner and uh, enjoying life. So how how was the most recent tour? You just got done doing a bunch of dates. How'd that all go? That all went great. And unfortunately, I apologize to the Lubbock, Texas uh, fans because I just kind of had a little dry spell and uh, we had to postpone that show or cancel it until next year. So I apologize for that. But the rest of the tour just went fantastic. What do you mean by dry spell? You had an issue with your voice? Yeah, it just uh, went to the doctor. It wasn't like swollen, you know, vocal cords. Like sometimes you can overwork things and they get swollen, but it was just like just dry it just dried up and it's like going to the well for a bucket of water and there's no water so just dried up and and it, and it just makes it almost impossible to sing 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the course of your career, you, you, I mean, every time I've ever seen you, you always sounded great and you always sang well, but you, you haven't had a, a huge history of vocal problems in your career. Have you? No, no, but there's been a few incidents where because of like swollen vocal cords, overdoing it and stuff that, you know, I might've had to postpone some shows or something, but this was just a dry spell. I don't know what, for whatever reason, you're going through all these different environments and stuff and, and the elements. And I just dried up and wasn't able to uh, sing that show. But like I said, then the rest of them went fine. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to do a makeup date and uh, make it up to Lubbock, Texas. But other than that, everything went fantastic. You uh, Did you guys do – now, you got two really good new songs out there. I've been playing them for my audience every week. Cold Blue Steel came out first, and then more recently, Time to Rock. Were you working them into the live set? Yes. Oh, yeah. We were playing them in the live, you know, in, in, in the live set. And uh, people, we got great responses, and, and we appreciate you doing all the spins for us, Eddie. We appreciate that very much. and. People are loving it, and and we're the kind of band that we like to write new songs, and and we're having fun with it, and the people are enjoying it, and everything's great. Well, you put out these two singles. Is the idea, are you guys working towards a full record at some point? I mean, how, how far down the road are you for an album? I believe that's the idea, but I guess these days you can just release the singles, you know, online or however it works with the internet, and then... Once we get up enough songs and write some more songs, we'll put out a new record. Have you written anything beyond these two songs yet, or just these two for now? Just these two for now, but we got another one that we're we're got you know we're working up, and we've got it in the demo form. And in the next p- couple months, we'll probably work it up, and uh, maybe be releasing that as well before we start back up in January. Yeah, I was looking at the website, and you guys are pretty much done for the year now as far as touring, right? Yeah, I think January is the next uh, The next shows are in January. So you got a so date in January. Yeah, you got a date in January in Florida, but then the, real, the other really cool thing that I was really excited to see, because I don't know if I told you this, but I have a second home in Vegas now, and I, I'm there part-time, and you guys are going to do a residency in Vegas Five shows in March at the House of Blues. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. It's our first time to do the residency thing, and um, I've heard all about it. I don't know too much about it, but like you said, it's five shows in Vegas um, over a week, a week and a half, and, uh, you know, pretty excited to try out something new like that. I mean, the nice thing about that for artists is that the fans come to you and do the traveling instead of you having to to do the travel. So you can, I mean, I just saw Aerosmith a couple times in Vegas because they're doing it right now at a at a theater called Park MGM. And it was funny because one of the nights that I, I left the show, I was leaving and their tour manager texted me and I he said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going back, you know, going wherever I was going. And he said... He said, "Yeah." He goes, "the the band's already gone because they can. If you're if you're in a casino, you can literally come off stage, take the elevator, you can be in your room before the house lights go up. So that's something oh, that's I really see. appealing to a lot of artists because you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay right in the hotel and you can get right to your room. Like you, there's no travel involved. Right. Well, you know, for me, when when it was brought up, I was like, oh, I don't know. 
you know, how this would be like being in a, the same city for, for five shows. But the first time we did, you know, before we came out with the acoustic record, our first, we did a show at Slim's in San Francisco, and we did two sets in one night, and which was a little bit odd for someone like me, but um, this is, you know, this is where it's just one show and then maybe a night off to another show. So, you know, um, pretty interested to see how it works, but excited about it. And, but it's still a little, feels a little odd to me to be in one town for five nights, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Sure. Well, I've, I've heard people are really loving it and, and hopefully it works out well for Tesla. It is great, and it's it's uh, it's obviously it's a great city with a ton of things to do. So you're not going to be bored, that's for sure. I'll come pick you right. up. We can get into all kinds of trouble in that town, Jeff. We could do all kinds of fun things. <laughs> well, Eddie, when we get in trouble, we get in big trouble. So <laughs> we'll have to put a set a bar. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule, and there's three days off between gigs. So man, you could do a lot. You could really get lost in Vegas in those three days, or you could go home. You're close enough. You could go home if you want for those three days. No, I'll probably stay there, maybe go out to dinner with you or something. Yeah, we can do that. You can come out to the house. We barbecue, whatever you want to do. We could throw the throw the football around, whatever you want to do. You guys know you're always welcome. See, see that sounds great. That doesn't sound like we'd get in too much trouble doing that. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you do you do you think you think you'll change the set list up doing five nights? You know the you know the way Tesla fans are. They'll probably definitely come to more than one show in a row. You, have you thought about that yet? As far as maybe changing stuff up night to night, being in the same place for I'm, five days? Yeah, I'm sure we will, Eddie. I'm sure we will. I would think so. But like I said, I don't know how these things work, but I know there will be people coming to multiple shows. So I would think we would change the setup you know yeah. uh yeah. A, a setup the set list so yeah i would think so and which will be exciting for the people and hopefully it won't be where somebody comes where they're just coming for one show and they go well i wanted to hear that song you played last night or you're going to play tomorrow night i don't i don't know how that stuff works but i'm sure it's going to be a great experience yeah, and of course you're back on the Monsters of Rock cruise, which you guys headline pretty much like every other year. So that'll be fun. We always have a great time on that. That's sailing April 29th from uh, Port Canaveral, Florida. So I know you always have a great time on that cruise. And you're always out there with the fans and hanging out with everybody and watching the bands and playing pool and doing whatever you do. You're not one of those guys that hides. People ask me all the time, like, hey, how can we meet this guy or that guy on the ship if we go? And I'm like, well, some of these guys are pretty scarce, but when it comes to people asking me about you, I'm like, I don't know, you'll probably just run into them somewhere. Oh, I'm sure I will. I'm a little social butterfly. You know how I am. <laughs> I love the people. I love the fans, and they love it too, and I love mixing with them. So I, I'm sure I will be my usual social butterfly fluttering <laughs> around. <laughs> did you ever think? Did you ever think when you started with Tesla that here we would be? You'd be 64 years old. It would be 2022, and we'd be talking about Vegas residencies and cruises and all this great stuff you have coming up. <laughs> never thought about it all. As a matter of fact, I'm a small-town boy. I never thought I'd be in a band, period. So, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome how things work out. And uh, <laughs> we're so grateful for it, you know. 
and you feel good. Like you don't feel like you're you're going to slow down anytime soon. You're 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 in this. Like there's not we're gonna be, not going to hear about any Jeff Keith retirement or Tesla farewell tour or anything like that, right? No, as long as the voice is holding up and uh, we're having fun with it. Those are the you know the, the main ingredient is we're having fun. We're still having fun. As long as we're having fun, we're going to do it uh, till we can't do it anymore. And yeah, you know that will be a long time to come. Yeah, I hope so, too. You know, I was looking at the band's Wikipedia page, and, you know, I didn't even know this, that when you look at the pe- amount of people, there, there's where, there were a lot of people in Tesla at different points. Have you ever looked at the Wikipedia for Tesla? No, I haven't, man. I am just like this old school dinosaur and I don't really go on the internet and I should because there's a lot of great people on there, but ah, man, back when MySpace or something was up or I said some little comment about how I loved, you know, how the people were and like say Iowa and two people in Illinois went, well, that hurts my feelings. And I went, you know what? I'm just not built for this kind of stuff. And because uh, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings or anything. So I really don't do that. And the other guys do. They keep up with it. And we have people helping us run all that stuff. So I just keep it simple to hand me the microphone and, and uh, you know, give me a chance to write some words to a melody, to some riffs that the guys come up with. And we put songs together. And that's, a, that's, just, that's just my niche in life. So I just... I don't really, no, I, not really, I just don't do the internet thing because ah, I don't even know how to log into something. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, though, listening to you say that, it's really refreshing because I'm envious. I wish I could be like that. I kind of have to be the opposite because of what I do. But I think it, I think it's very smart what you just said. If I had the option to be like that and not be in that social media world, because you're right. There's a lot of great people on there, but there's a lot of trolls and there's a lot of haters and there's a lot of people that make things up. So if you can check out of it and just the way you have, I mean, I think that's awesome actually. It, yeah. It works out well for me and the other guys, they handle all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and so I, they just let me stick to just hand me the microphone phone and point me to stage and like don't go to the other side of the stage with my mic when you introduce me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a story that'll never die, isn't it? I barely made it to you to come in for the first lyrics. (laughs) I stole Jeff. For people that don't know, I stole Jeff's mic. I took Jeff's mic to introduce the band once. And it usually when they give me a mic, it's like an extra mic, but it actually was the mic Jeff used to sing. And it was in England. And I walked all the way off the back of this giant stage and, Jeff comes running so up to me. You stage right, and I'm over waiting on stage left for the microphone. <laughs> so I had to run across the stage to stage right to get the mic. But it was classic, Eddie. It's a story oh, no, that'll never die. It's it's a classic. But the thing, the reason I was bringing up the internet is I don't even know if you know what Wikipedia is. Do you know what it is? I I know Wikipedia is sort of like an encyclopedia for things or something on the internet. Right. Yes, exactly. It's an, it's like an encyclopedia to look stuff up on the internet. The the thing is, you got to be careful with it though, because anybody can go in and change stuff and edit it, so it's not always entirely accurate. But the reason why I bring it up is I pulled up the Wikipedia for Tesla because I wanted to see how old you were today for your birthday, and uh, it lists past members of the band, and it's got like 
10 people listed that were in Tesla at one point. Was that before your time or like when you were the singer in the band? I'm I'm seeing people like uh, Steve Klossman, Bobby Contreras, uh, Colin Loyal, well, Brock Bright, who Brooke Bright. Who are these people? Brooke Bright. Well, they, those were original two uh, original members of City Kid. But I've been in the band since City Kid in '83, and then of course we came out in '86, changed the name to Tesla. So they're they're listing everything, and I know somebody brought it to, to my attention. They said, you should check out something. It's sort of like the encyclopedia of Arkansas. And I started reading into it. And it said, you know, Jeff Keith moved from here, did this, did that. And then it said, and then he moved to Douglasville, Georgia or something and graduated high school. I graduated high school from uh, Idabel Gray High School. That's in Idabel, Oklahoma. So something's on there. I don't know where they're getting their information, but they get it a little mixed up. So, yeah. But but this, a lot of the names that you're you're naming, they were part of City Kids, so they're going all the way back to the start. Yeah, you know, they're listing. There's. I just counted a total of twelve names outside of the current wow. lineup of the band that have been part of it. Curtis Chapman, Stefano Pasta. Tommy Ar- Armstrong, leave it. I mean, there's a lot of people here, and I'm like, damn, I know Tesla well, inside out. I don't know these guys. Well, Tommy Armstrong, he came in to have to fill in, I think, ah, was it for, I can't remember, but we've had a couple people come in like to fill in for a couple shows, and everybody, I think, everybody but me has been filled in, but, but just for a couple shows when somebody couldn't make it or had, you know, a family crisis or something. But so they're naming those people also. So I wouldn't, you know, once again, the internet might post it as they were members of the band, but they were just filling in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. Though. What about the guy that you told me about that you called the walking radio that could sing anything? Yeah. Is he listed in here? We- Still don't we still don't know that guy. We don't know who it is. And <laughs> when I joined a band, come from Georgetown, a little you know, nine hundred population. And when this I the, the band City Kid, they they I auditioned, they had me in the band, and then a week later uh I came along with this guy that was a walking radio because I didn't know Top Forty. There was no radio station that reached Georgetown and I didn't know nothing about Top Forty, so I was like, Well, I can't compete against that and he was nicknamed the Walking Radio. So I couldn't compete with the walking radio, but a week later, less than a week later, the band called me back and said, Hey, just keep coming to vocal lessons and as soon as you learn all the songs, the walking radio is gonna walk and he walked out <laughs> the door and we don't even know who it is to this day we're we quit trying to figure out who it was we have no idea who it was i would love to have seen wikipedia just list as a past member walking radio that would have been the best well we would love it too that way because we, <laughs> we always wondered who was this guy but he 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 walked in and, and then walked out a week later all right. Well, listen. I'll let you go. I wanted to just wish you a happy birthday. What's the celebration today? Are you uh, are you on the farm? What are you doing? Are you, you what? What's your favorite dinner? What's the, what? What are you going to have for your birthday today? Oh, just going to have a nice little family dinner with the family here at home, and just low key. And uh, and my phone's blowing up, so I'm just trying to answer all the texts, and, and people are all wishing me a happy birthday, and I just love them for it. And uh, 
I just appreciate everybody wishing me a happy birthday, and I thank everybody so much. And what are you going to do for the rest uh, of the too. year? Are you going to work on the record, or are you going to work around the house, or what? What's you're off now for the rest of the year? What are you going to do? Oh, well, we'll get together, and and I know one demo that me and Frank had had, had, had you know uh, worked on here a few months back. We're going to maybe try to work that up, but but uh, just enjoy some holidays at home with the family, and because we had a very busy summer and. It's good to, you know, just be enjoying some family time and probably, like I said, work on some music, too, and be ready to come out, you know, uh, swinging in January. All right, man. Sounds like a plan. Well, just wanted to say hello, and uh, I told the audience this was very last minute, but I texted you for your birthday, and I said, let me check in with Jeff. I know the Vegas stuff was announced, and I'm sure the the fans always love to hear from you, and... uh, I appreciate you taking a few minutes, and happy birthday, brother. Hey, thanks, Eddie, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate you letting me come on. And thanks to everybody and all your listeners and everybody that, that uh, you know, thanks for the happy birthday wishes. I really, really appreciate it. Enjoy the day, man. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Eddie. Love you, buddy. Love you too, bud. Talk to you soon. Best okay. of the family. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Always good to talk to J.K., that, of course, the one and only Jeff Keith and Tesla, who are still out there. A couple new songs out there right now as well, and uh, seemingly always on tour. And thanks to Luke Spiller for joining us earlier as well from The Strut. So you got two singers, two front men there, one that started in terms of recorded history in the mid-'80s, and Luke, who started not even 10 years ago. So two different ends of the rock spectrum there, but both fantastic singers and front men. Thank you for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss one. And remember, all the interviews, again, come from my radio show, Trunk Nation, which is heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, on Faction Talk, that's Sirius XM Channel 103, or anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. Please be sure to subscribe and join me every day for rock talk and interviews on Trunk Nation if you're in the U.S. or Canada. We'll see you guys uh, on the radio and next Thursday back here for another episode of the podcast. Have a good week. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.